What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the seventh episode of the Cleveland Pulse podcast. As always, I am Justin Harold, your host, and with me, Jeff Santa, my co-host. Uh, today, we're going to be talking to you guys just about, it's been two weeks, so we got some general news and stuff for the Browns, the Indians, and the Cavs. And if we don't you know, end up talking long enough with all that stuff, me and Jeff came up with our top ten rankings for the NFL quarterbacks, running backs, and wide receivers. But I'm getting the sense that we might not need to talk about some of that stuff. But, uh, Jeff, how are you doing, buddy? It hasn't been too long since I've seen you, but... I'm doing pretty good, Justin. Yeah, uh, long time, no talk, I guess. Uh, what I think is kind of wild about these episodes is that it seems like, especially because between um, we've been doing like two weeks in between, it seems like every time... We, we link up to do these, and two weeks goes by. It seems like the the next two weeks always has more like news in it as far as um, all three of the, the Cleveland sports teams that we love so dearly and love talking about. And I know we were bouncing um, some ideas off each other uh, the other night in person, so that was a really good time. We forgot to get a picture, but, you know, we're going to we're gonna figure that out next time. Absolutely. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come down to LaRoche and – uh, for a game and we'll snag a pick for the podcast and for the for the Twitter but yeah I mean you know with the two the two weeks and especially now we're just you know we're getting into the fall season so obviously football is ramping up we are what are we are we two weeks or three we're we're about three weeks away from kickoff I believe this is three weeks exactly actually yep uh, if I'm looking at it correctly yep three weeks. From today, uh, the Browns will probably have already played and won their first game against the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, <laughs> Whoa! But yeah, so we have a lot. We have a lot. Um, the Indians have been playing, obviously, and on the note of basketball, we know where we're going to pick for the draft in the upcoming draft and all that. So, Jeff, do you have a preference for which one of these three teams you want to start with tonight? Um, I think, I don't know. I feel like maybe Cavs first, just to, I think Cavs we're going to be maybe the most negative with, so maybe just get that out of the way first. And it's not even really, I mean, it's obviously not the Cavs' fault. It's just uh, me and you and our distaste of how the lottery goes these days in the NBA. Yeah, absolutely. So let's let's start with that. So obviously, like Jeff was referring to, the draft lottery happened. And so, unlike Every other draft that I know of, the draft lottery plays on chance of where you get to select. So the Cavs having the like worst, the second worst rank or record, sorry, rank uh, record in the league, ended up with the fifth pick somehow. While the Golden State Warriors ended up with the second pick. What a what a great way to have the draft work, where a team that had injuries to star players and is usually a playoff contender has a number two pick for their disenfranchised team and all that. So, yeah, we're picking fifth. I'm not happy about it, um, but I've been educated a little bit on the players that could still be around at five. Jeff, obviously we talked about it already, but just uh, detail your thoughts on that for us. Right. I mean, it's it's kind of crazy how the draft works because is this the second year that they've had it like this? The second or the This f- is like the second year that the, okay. the odds have been – Yes. Like the odds in the way that like 
if a certain team gets um, knocked out of the top, uh, the top four now, I believe, because right. it used to be the top three, um, some teams securely just like get into the top two. And so I, I want to say the Wizards, or I don't know, there was a team that the the Hornets should have been the should. Oh, it was the Pistons. The Pistons or the Hawks ended up outside of the top four, which threw the Hornets all the way up to the into the top four automatically, and so they ended up with the third pick. And yeah, the the way that it works is ludicrous. Well, all I really remember from last year is that the Pelicans just being crazy lucky to get Zion get to the first spot because there was a lot of hype about him going to teams like I mean specifically the Knicks and nobody really had the Pelicans on their radar but this was advertised as something that was supposed to make like the draft night make the the lottery more entertaining more exciting and somehow more fair I don't know where they I don't know who believed that when they first introduced it but I mean I think it's I think it's hurt the draft uh, substantially just in the sense that the, the worst teams aren't getting the, the first picks overall. I know they're trying to um, like get away from teams tanking on purpose for good draft picks, but at the end of the day, the teams that are tanking probably weren't off to a great start anyway, and those are the teams that need the players. So I know they don't want teams to be thrown in the towel at the All-Star break, for uh for a pick but i mean i don't really i wouldn't mind that as much as i mind how this new draft works it's just awful though because like in the nfl all right the worst team is typically the team that like needs a new franchise quarterback or something like that and the cincinnati Bengals had um no god justin um andy andy dalton for the longest time and andy dalton has regressed year through year and last year the Bengals were just awful. And they have, like, a good wide receiving core and everything. And they're, like, not an awful, awful team on paper. But they needed that first pick more than the majority of the teams that were in the top ten. Obviously, the Miami Dolphins also ended up with a top five pick and needed a quarterback. But the Golden State Warriors are number two. What In, in what world does that help? anyone because it doesn't help it doesn't help the teams that are going to be here next year that could it could quite literally be the majority of the teams that were there this year besides golden state and it's just it it boggles my mind i mean if you really look at it this year especially with the tanking concerns because i know that's why they changed it or why they claim to change it but it's so counterproductive at this point clay from last year was hurt and that's a full season injury so I mean, terrible for Clay, but it's almost kind of like, oh, the Warriors. The Warriors got a couple breaks. You know, Steph gets hurt. Clay was out for the whole season prior to you know the first game of the year. Clay get, and then Steph gets hurt. Excuse me. And I mean, he definitely could have played before he played. Um, I'm not gonna say I'm a doctor. I'm not you know advising Steph Curry to play injured. But if they were in a playoff race, he could have played. He broke his hand. Like. I know he could have went out there and played. People have played with worse injuries, and he kind of milked that injury for a while. Therefore, you know, having Golden State essentially tanking, um, you know, they did. They do have uh, Andrew Wiggins, and you know, they were dabbling around. They had, by, they had D'Angelo Russell to start. Yeah, they the had they had D'Angelo Russell too. So they kind of were like in the spotlight, but they still were essentially tanking. And now they're going to get 
um, you know, potentially a third, you know, rookie, they have two all-stars and then a rookie of the year. And I mean, at the end of the day, I know we have, uh, you know, we have a lot of bad blood for the Warriors, but I think the Timberwolves, you know, that situation almost angers me more with them getting the first pick. They're going to have Carl Anthony Towns, D'Angelo Russell, and then they get, they get whoever they want. Right. When I don't know how they could restructure it, but I don't know. I think they need. They just uh, do what every other. I, I Jeff, correct me if I'm wrong. Is is it the worst team in baseball gets the number one pick or no? Um. Yeah, I think so. I'm pretty sure. I'm not. Yeah. I really don't know how the MLB draft works in and out, considering that those people don't make an instant impact. That's why I feel like it's hard to compare the MLB draft, just because there's a lot of trading and. You know, you could find diamonds in the rough more easily in the MLB. And like being the first pick that isn't as big. But, yeah, yeah. That's, I'm pretty sure that's how it works. And besides this year, there's usually a ridiculous amount of uh, rounds in the MLB draft, correct? Yes, and there's just so many players. Right. I, that, that's the only thing that I remember from this year is that the big deal was uh, St. Edward alumni, um, along with someone that I played football with and you played baseball with, yep. uh, Mackenzie Wainwright, got drafted in the third round to the Cincinnati Reds and – out of they cut it, I think they cut it down to three. Did they cut it down to three or five rounds? I think it might have been four. I, it wasn't. It, they did cut it down though. Right, and so, um, but I, I remember talking to my dad about. It. I was like, that's just like ridiculous for. And obviously, they they take players out of high school too, so um, they can you know truly end college. So they truly get um, their. I I don't know what to like even. They get their investments worth, I guess, and yeah. how many rounds and how many players get drafted. Right. But yeah, it's just ridiculous to me um, to like look at the standings and, I mean, the Timberwolves. I'm not mad because like the Timberwolves were bad; they were genuinely bad. But I get what you're saying because Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell. That sounds like a good duo, but that duo wasn't existent for what half that season was considering COVID cut it off and all that. Right. Um, but yeah, if you're looking at like the top 10 teams, I guarantee the Warriors and the Timberwolves will probably not be back in the top 10 worst teams next year. Like I it mean, just, would, it just won't happen. You yeah. Not for the Warriors. The Warriors will not be. Yeah. I mean the Timberwolves, I would also say probably won't be. I probably, they're, right. they're, I, you know, I didn't pay attention to them specifically, but I'm sure like, a lot of the, um, a lot of what happened was because Andrew Wiggins and Carl Anthony Towns doesn't really work as well as what D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns will be. But yeah, they get the first pick. Um, but yeah, let's get a little bit back on track. Um, besides my grievances with how their how the NBA draft works, we ended up with the fifth pick, and before all this, me and you had been talking we did the podcast and we had an episode about um what we who we wanted if the if the Cavs had like the number one pick and the consensus between me and you was we want Obi Toppin from Dayton and I even went on our Twitter and made like a poll for us um asking you know people who like who would you want if the if the Cavs get the first pick and so we got 29 votes on that um, poll and I had the list of Obi Toppin, James Wiseman, Anthony Edwards, and none of the above. Obviously, I put those three up there because those are the three names. Um, you know, Anthony Edwards is considered to be the top prospect. James Wiseman was already linked to us. 
um, at one point through this process. And Obi Toppin is obviously me and your uh, favorite player in the draft as of this moment for the Cavs. And out of the 29 votes, 52% of people wanted Obi Toppin to be drafted with James Wiseman coming in second with 21. So at the fifth pick, uh, I was very concerned going into it that we wouldn't have a chance at Toppin. I didn't think that Toppin would be there until I realized and I looked it up after the draft that apparently a lot of people, a lot of experts don't have Toppin rated as highly as we do. Um, what are your thoughts on that? I guess I'm not totally – I'm kind of surprised. I mean, I don't know. Um, I'm not really sure. I guess he just might not fit into, like, a lot of traditional offensive schemes, but I don't know. If they were watching Dayton, you know, at, at any point last year, um, I don't see how that he's not a top-five pick. Um, I guess, you know, Wiseman, his situation kind of – is interesting as well, but I definitely think, you know, it just seems kind of weird because between Wiseman and LaMelo Ball, it's kind of like, well, those two guys really weren't like, they were in the college scene, at least for, you know, for last year, and I just think Toppin is, is going to fit our scheme, and I think if he's there at five, I don't see how we don't grab him. Right. My thing with it is I've looked up like a bunch of mock drafts since uh, the lottery happened, and almost every draft is usually you know um the first three picks are anthony edwards james wiseman and Lamelo ball and to be honest with you i hate i don't hate well i don't know i shouldn't say i hate him i dislike Lamelo ball a great deal and uh, as someone who looks as the look at drafts more as a fit player or a fit kind of thing over talent um i don't know a single team that would want to deal with LaMelo Ball, but apparently every expert in the world seems to disagree with me in seeming that LaMelo is somehow better a better player than Anthony Edwards. And so um, that's the top three usually. It's usually Anthony Edwards, LaMelo, and James Wiseman are taken within that top three. And that's the, that's where it starts to get shaky with who comes after that. And so um, my biggest worry if this first three is how it goes on draft night is number four with the Chicago Bulls. And what I've seen is that Chicago either takes Obi or they end up taking the man out of Israel, um, Denny of, of, and I'm going to slaughter his name, Danny Avija. And so every mock draft, every other mock draft, it's, us swapping with the Chicago Bulls between um, Obi Toppin and Denny. And Denny's more of a small forward, and the problem that I've seen with a lot of the comments made about Toppin is that at Dayton he played power forward center, but he played that at 6'9". So I'm just trying to think, like, I've always pictured that he would slot in at the three position or maybe he would slot in at the four position for us and we move um, Kevin Love to three. Um, but I think that's like how people are like trying to, or at least experts are trying to swing the idea that he wouldn't be the greatest fit for the Cavs. Yeah, I, I, I don't know, man. The Cavs are just in a weird spot, I think. But maybe that's going to be the beauty about five. Actually, like, 
I guess in some weird way, even though, you know, we dislike the setup of the lottery, I, I guess you could maybe even have an argument that we kind of lucked out at five, hopefully, mm-hmm. just because, you know, um, it kind of reminds you of, like, the Browns in this year's draft. They, like, knew who who they wanted. Like, their pick was in right away. Yeah. Um, maybe that's how it's going to go with us because LaMelo, Anthony Edwards, and Wiseman, I'm, uh, I would bet 100% are going to be off the board by the time it gets to us. Yes. So, but I don't know. K-Love to the three seems unlikely to me. I think we could run K-Love or Drummond at the five and run Toppin at the four and just play real small ball, kind of like, you know, Houston's doing in the playoffs or some of these playoff squads are, you know, there really isn't, there aren't many true centers left in the league. Uh, it's more just about shooting and, you know, you need some interior presence, but it's definitely more geared towards shooting. So, But even if, you know, I, at this point I would rather deal – Love or Drummond, then, then Sexton, Garland, or KPJ. And that's what that's what a lot of the analysis are for when we take Toppin. It's like maybe they move on from – it's like maybe the Cavs will move on and finally find a trade suitor for Kevin Love. Or right. um, they'll let Kevin Love, you know, stay for the rest of his contract and once his contract's up, um, kind of hand the reins over to Toppin. Um, yeah, I mean – Lucky not at five is actually what I've seen a lot of. Um, I, I think I read like a tweet. It was like five is a good. I, and maybe it was our our coach slash um, teacher at Ed's uh, coach Flannery. I think he tweeted out being at five. Oh yeah, my dad sent me that tweet. Hold on, I'm sorry everyone. It's all coming back to me now. My dad sent me a tweet. He's like, "Do you agree with this?" And it's of Coach Flan saying. Cavs lose the lottery, get the fifth pick. However, in this year's draft, five could be as good as, as good or better than one. And my dad wanted to ask if uh, I agree with Flan. And obviously, I don't know. I don't think either one of us really knows too much about anyone outside of the top five to be so sure about that. I mean, me and you both want Toppin, and I'm sure if Toppin lands at five and, you know, I think I think that would just be a steal. I think that would be the great, the best scenario for us is that he somehow falls to five and we snag him and everyone's happy. Everyone um, in the Cleveland area is probably happy about that pick. Yeah, I think five. I mean, the silver lining there is just hopefully there's less chance for the Cavs front office to mess it up. I guess. Yeah, that's right? that's probably the best way I could look at it. Like, not saying that they would, but I don't know. I don't know how. I don't know how if we had if we had the chance for Edwards, Lamelo Ball, and Wiseman if they're all there. I don't know. I don't know how you could pick out of those guys, right? And and be like okay with your decision. Yeah, I I agree with that, and I guess that's how that makes sense. And what you're going on about um, lucking out at five, kind of just giving us the better team option. Because at this point, um, to be like, oh yeah, let's draft talent. We're not really a talent like we. I, if there was a small forward that was the number one player this year, you could absolutely be like, oh, yeah, let's draft the best talent yep. player available. But Ant- Edwards doesn't fit into our scheme. Wiseman isn't going to play over Drummond unless we play, like, a huge um, front. Like, you know, we put we Drummond wanna, at... We don't want to do that either. Yeah, we put Drummond at the four and Wiseman at the center. And maybe the, uh, the interior defense is locked down, but... That's all. I'm sorry. I keep going back to Toppin, but 
Um, another note on him and what I've read in the and why he's so low on some people's radar is because his defense was lackluster. But again, he was playing center power forward at um, six nine for Dayton. So, but regardless of that point, and then I just I didn't want I didn't want the opportunity to draft Lamelo. I still don't. I. I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm hope I'm severely wrong, and he's drafted within the top three. Could you imagine Michael Jordan drafting Lamelo Ball, though? To be honest, sure. Really? Could you why, imagine that? Because then he's got to deal. Because then he's got to deal with Lavar. I mean, at the end of the day, I totally agree with where you're coming from on that point. But I kind of think maybe like at least. I mean, when Lamelo's in the league, when he gets drafted, it'll be like the big baller brand, and that'll like pop up again for like a little bit. But I think they're kind of like old news. Like Lavar, I haven't heard about Lavar in a while, and I mean Lonzo when he came into the league. Because Lonzo's goes, ass now. Yeah, I mean I agree, but if I don't know, but if he's good, then he's gonna be good, and if he's not good, then you're not gonna hear about Lavar. So I think I don't know. I think Jordan's pretty reckless though. And I think what's you know it was like a joke on Twitter. It's like you know. First pick will be Anthony Edwards. Second pick will be a trade with Golden State, and third pick will be uh, Michael Jordan's next uh, ambassador for Jordan Brand. <laughs> I Basically. was like, I was just like, man, I could not imagine that being Lamelo Ball. Jordan would probably put like a like a one of those notice or those posted notes on the the entrances to the facility for the Charlotte Hornets. It's like, do not let this person in, and it's just a picture of Lavar <laughs> if they drafted Lamelo, but. Yeah, again, not not entirely happy, but also maybe we maybe you're right. Maybe we lucked out with five and not one or two or something like that. And who knows? Maybe Toppin will fall, and maybe we'll be lucky enough to end up with him or someone Hopefully. that someone that emerges as some someone that the Cavs organization feels fits the team right, and you know won't upset you know i don't think anyone's been upset with garland or sexton when they drafted him right drafted them so honestly i don't know that um anything like that will start now um but yeah i mean besides that that's everything Cavs related i believe um unless you want to talk about you know tristan thompson and his contract because kevin love did make it statement about you know keeping him and all that what are your thoughts on that real quick um i think tristan's a good ball player uh he's lucky lebron was on the team or he wasn't getting that contract really at the end of the day i mean i don't really know how you could argue that besides like lebron basically sticking his neck out for him and i'll always love tristan you know he was on the he was on the chip team i wouldn't mind if we kept him around i wouldn't mind if we got rid of him yeah it would just kind of reinforce the fact of like not drafting Toppin for me though, if I'm right. being honest. Because then, unless he's playing center, but like unless we're getting I, rid of Love or, or Larry Nance, yeah, we could get rid of Larry Nance. I'm down for that. Yeah, honestly, I don't, I don't know. Outside of the like the starting five, um, and I really like Tristan. I I do. I'm glad that he's been like a a Cavs lifer kind of guy right now, as right. of right now. Um, he's not going to get the money. We'll probably, whatever we offer him will probably be, um, like very generous. It'll be like one of those, like, Hey, you're, you've been with the organization this long. Mm-hmm. We want to like reward you for that, but it's not going to be the contract that you got, uh, when we won the ship and everything. 
unless like LeBron for some reason feels he needs to add another um, big man to his Lakers team that is already <laughs> so deep in players. But yeah, I just don't think he's going to get a contract like he did before. And um, I'd love for him to stay, but I just don't know that he's ever going to um, be so prominent in our team that I'd be willing to break the bank on him. Right. I agree. Or go into a bidding war for him. So, but maybe, maybe he'll take like a nice little pay cut and keep, keep being on the team and everything. So, but yeah, that's, that's it for the Cavs. Um, I, I could really go either way with the Indians or the Browns right now. Um, I say we talk about the Browns mainly because the Indians have slightly more going on and they're a little bit more on the talking end and talking points, but it's up to you, Jeff. What do you want? Yeah, I like that. I think Browns in the middle is good, and then end with the Indians. Word. All right, well, since the last podcast, uh, we started, the Browns have started training camp. They've had padded and non-padded practices. Um, I think the biggest note is that we have probably had the worst training camp of any team that I know of so far in terms of, like, injuries and just, like, having bad reports come up during our training camp it's not anything like you know team crushing or you know like like oh here we go again kind of browns thing but the first day of practice first day of padded practice nick chubb goes down uh gets a concussion enters concussion protocol uh he's back now um second day this is the big one um while I'm blanking. Mac Wilson uh, gets a hyperextension in his knee. Uh, we currently don't know if he's going to need season-ending surgery, although I have seen that the rumors are saying that uh, the surgery will not be needed, but he will need to go through therapy and will need to you know, take his time in coming back to the team. So there's that. And then one of the cornerbacks who has been just shining – um, and being talked about and raved about um, throughout training camp. Uh, <clears throat> Kevin Johnson um, got his spleen, I believe, or his liver uh, lacerated. Um, he had to go to the hospital, was in the hospital care for, I believe, two days. But the news coming out of Berea is that he is going to do the two days of COVID testing, and then he's going to be on a plan that would eventually just have him missing the first or the first two weeks of the season, which would be great, considering when I looked it up, a lacerated liver is supposed to take months to recover. Um, but... Honestly, not the greatest start to a training camp, especially with a season that has no preseason. Jeff, what have you uh, what have you been keeping up with? Have you been keeping up with uh, training camp and all that? Yeah, I've been you know I've been tapped into the Browns, um, not as much as the Indians per se, but you're just super unlucky beginning that um, between Chubb and Mac Wilson. It just seemed like that week was just that was just a bad week of news and. Kind of something you don't really like see a lot. I mean, sometimes you do have freak accidents, and you know, 
people do come down with really bad injuries, you know, in training camp. But it's just kind of crazy to me that, I don't know, it just is, it's terrible that, thank God Nick Chubb is okay. Um, concussion protocol, that's definitely scary. But at, you know, the linebacker position where we're already going to be shorthanded and everybody's basically looking at Mac Wilson to be the leader, uh, to be the catalyst on the defensive end. And, you know, he just, he goes down with, you know, a knee injury, which is, you never really know, especially with football players, um, you know, timetables or anything like that. And, um, and kind of potentially a weird season. I mean, all injuries are going to be taken with, you know, hopefully a higher degree of uh, risk and uncertainty. So kind of just a crazy, you know, week of training camp all around. Yeah, and honestly, like, at the beginning of it too, like, Miles didn't um, – Miles wasn't doing anything. He had, like, a pulled hammy. Um, Jarvis and Carl Joseph were, you know, taking, um, like, days on and off because they've had – um, injuries this past season that required surgery and all that and honestly from just like updates that I was receiving of like I was watching I was trying to watch like Browns live as much as I could but I was also just um, looking at Twitter for um, highlights slash like um, updates through training camp about how you know players were doing and everything and I've just you know just reading through it's like the offense seems like it's you know, struggling to get started and um, figuring itself out and all that. But, you know, that's just kind of typical, like, you know, new regime, new offense kind of thing. And it's also training camp. Um, the defense is usually allowed a lot more leniency in what they do in terms of, like, you know, being able to contest and right. uh, do a lot of different things. Um, I was watching, you know, I watched um, – our hopeful new left tackle, Dredrick Willis, get absolutely beaten off the ball multiple times by Olivier Vernon. And, you know, Olivier Vernon, he's no slouch by any means. He's honestly, if, you know, he's healthy and everything, he's a great player. He's a former Pro Bowl defensive end. But I was like, oh, God, Baker's going to be – that blind side of his is just like, God, I hope he figures – I hope Dredrick fil- uh, figures it out and everything. But – I was also reminded that, you know, the first week, two weeks of um, training camp is usually favored for the defense. Honestly, you don't get too much out of all this, of course. It's not like you should read in into it too much and be like, oh, we're doomed. The offense isn't clicking yet, or Baker is not looking good, or, you know, Nick Chubb goes down, Kareem Hunt, all this. Um Matt goes down, our linebacking core is depleted. But it's just, you know, it's you're not hearing anything spectacular either. Um, I think my takeaways as of right now from training camp is that, you know, the, the defense is, again, everyone loves to talk about how stacked our offense is and how much talent we have on it. But honestly, our defense is what I thought last year was um, – pretty good I think again is also very good I think our depth at cornerback is amazing I think our two safeties that we have and the scheme that we're running with uh Sendejo is also great and obviously you have our D-line which is I think if it's not one of the best in the league it's top five it's got to be top five I I love 
Sheldon Richardson. I think he is a very undervalued D tackle. Larry Ogunjobi also very undervalued, and then Olivier and Miles on the edges. I just think that the linebacking position, the linebacking position, the linebacking core is kind of small, like we said, and having Mac go down isn't great. But news for that to today, the Browns signed uh, Malcolm Smith. Uh, former Seattle Super Bowl champion slash MVP of that Super Bowl where they just absolutely murdered Peyton Manning and the Broncos. But, um, yeah, I kind of sent you, like, oh, they they were bringing people in and all that. Malcolm Smith, 31 years old. Um, I'm hoping that he, like, he bounces back to what he was with the Legion of Boom. Um, And maybe he finds a way to kind of... Pick up the slack that'll be missed from uh, Mac. But overall, training camp just hasn't been my favorite thing. And not being the goat, not being able to go and watch, kind of hurts that too. Because uh, you get a lot of excitement out of being there and kind of just being a little bit more upbeat than having to watch it through a TV screen or a little tiny iPhone screen. Yeah, I really like your point about how you really shouldn't read a lot into training camp. I think for. The, the really hardcore fans, training camp is, you know, some of the, the better weeks of the year. Just because, you know, you can get a feel of how the team's going to operate, but that still doesn't mean you should look into it, you know, with like a microscope or, or really deep into it. The injuries are just, you know, unlucky. That's the game of football. But at the same time, I mean, like I'm scrolling through Twitter and seeing, you know, deep balls, Baker to OBJ. So, I mean, it's you're going to see you're going to see some of the good and some of the bad, but I'd rather see more bad in training camp and, you know, get that figured out as early as possible. Let's get to the root of the problem and and figure it out before we get to to game time, which we me and you both know that that was probably Freddie Kitchen's biggest problem. It seemed like the the stuff that was bad never got any better during the year last year. So, right. I mean, I think the the only downside about, and you know, this is not, I don't personally believe this, but I think a lot of people have this uh, mentality and this thought process as far as the fans go that, you know, Stefanski was offensive coordinator with the Vikings, so our offense has to be amazing. That's not necessarily true. Um, if our defense is good, we're not going to have to have a uh, we're not going to have to have the best offense in the league, and we're not going to have the best offense in the league unless we go you know crazy, unless everything's clicking, all the cylinders are hitting. But I mean, we don't. If our offense is struggling, I that won't concern me as much as it did last year with Kitchens at the helm. Yeah, and you know, to compare it to you know the Indians, my thing with and that's a great point about what you said about the defense. If the defense is clicking and the defense is you know holding teams to seven and 14 points a game 20 to ask for 21 points or 17 points is not a lot in this current age of the NFL. And, you know, I'm just thinking about with baseball and I just started paying attention obviously because of, um, a particular player's debut, um, two nights ago. But if you, if you play great defense and your offense just kind of ruins that for you, it's upsetting. It is like, understandably upsetting and you know uh i don't think we'll have that problem i agree with you i I agree that the problems that we had last year with you know getting set and getting down and doing everything that needed to happen before um the time clock ran out the play clock ran out won't happen again and if it happens in the first game understandably so 
but I don't think it'll be a running problem throughout the season. Obviously, I think Kevin Stefanski is a much more detailed-oriented coach, and he won't have all those kind of blusters. And he's also not what it seemed like last year with Todd Munkin and Freddie Kitchens about fighting for who is going to play or who is going to call the plays on offense and everything. No longer seems like a problem. Um, and I think everyone understands with this this group of coaches and everything, there's a good understanding of, between everyone of what's going on, who's doing what, and everyone doing their job. And I just think that's like the team mentality overall is like everyone's going to trust one another in terms of what their job is and how they do it. And there's not going to be all this like, I want to say like, I don't want to call it bitching and moaning, but like a lot of it, it was last year, like with Higgins and David and Joku with Freddie Kitchens, it seemed like there was a lot of bitching and moaning. And then, you know, even later on in the season, it was Jarvis and Odell bitching and moaning to um, Freddie. And that's not even the best way to describe it. It was them being very frustrated with how things were going and um, why they weren't getting the ball or why certain plays were being called. And I just don't think that's going to happen this year. So, Yeah, I mean, I think if you have – the difference between like an elite organization and you know an average to below average organization is that the football problems like every squad's gonna have football problems. The the great teams and the great organizations with good leadership all the way throughout are gonna figure out how to fix it in a timely manner and not let stuff linger and put it off to the side and then you know have like all like sideline problems, off field problems, selfish problems in the locker room, you know, et cetera, whatever you could think of. If we have football problems and nothing else, I that's fine. Yeah, talk about that. Um, just a point that, to bring up that um, me and you were messaging on Twitter about um, Earl Thomas getting cut from the yep. Ravens, you know, because he's a off-the-field kind of problem guy. Um, you said you wanted him. <laughs> I could – obviously joking so, but, yeah, I mean – He's going to get picked up by someone. He's a great player. Yeah, uh, regardless of, I don't know what was happening within that Baltimore locker room. It seemed like apparently there were problems uh, last year with him. That um, report was like kind of random. I mean, it sounded like a lot of like incidents, but it kind of just came out of nowhere like today or yesterday. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And so um, he'll get picked up for sure. Um, someone was on Twitter is like, if John Dorsey was still here, uh, Earl Thomas would be, like, in the building next week or something. Um, but, yeah, I agree. I just don't think there will be a lot of problems outside of, you know, what happens on the on the field. And even then, I don't think there will be too much of that um, for this organization this year. But I do want to highlight some of the good things that happened in training camp. And so, um, more so players, um, obviously. But, like I said, Kevin Johnson was one of those guys before he got hurt. Um, was absolutely having a, a training camp. And to be honest with you, when I was like going through our depth chart, I consistently overlooked him because I was like, oh, our, our starting cornerbacks are going to be Denzel and Greedy, and then Money Mitch is going to come off and either be the, uh, the slot corner or the, you know, the next guy to come in. But Kevin Johnson, I mean, I put him off. He was a former first-round pick, and – you know, he had the talent, and he has the talent still, and was just having a phenomenal camp. Um, I hope he comes back and he can, you know, play for a contract extension and all that. Um, 
But on the offensive side of the ball, I have heard nothing but great things about Harrison Bryant, the tight end that we drafted. And it sounds like Njoku is, like, losing the job at number two. Like, the thing I was, like, I was kind of scared of that was going to happen with this whole, like, David Njoku drama. And I don't think there is any drama, but, like, I could very much see Harrison Bryant getting more snaps as of right now than David Njoku because of the sound of his camp is just immaculate. There hasn't been one bad thing. There hasn't been... I just... It's more of him making plays and making headlines than anyone else other than, like, Odell. And who else? I'm thinking the other, like, story point that's been brought up is that um, Austin Hooper and Baker, the, like, the chemistry and the connection is already there, which is a great thing um, for Baker to have because of his love for throwing to the tight end and all that. So... That was just a few things I wanted to highlight on the on the training camp side of things. But, um, Jeff, you got anything else? I know we talk about Njoku a lot, but talk about a guy who might be the worst as far as, like, average players go. Because I'd slot him in, like, right as an average player. Yes. I think he would play for a lot of NFL teams, but some teams he's not playing for. And this Browns team, is there's a good chance, like you said, he might not be playing. I mean, just talk about kind of fumbling the bag. His, whatever, his agent, you know, I guess you could blame your agent, but at the end of the day, like, you got to still make decisions. Request for the trade kind of, like, comes back on that, and then, you know, he, he Stefanski don't owe this guy nothing no. as far as I'm concerned. And, you know, Dorsey didn't like him, so I guess that's allegedly didn't like him, but I guess, like, that's, like, in his past. But, like, Stefanski coming in, he's playing the best two tight ends. Plain and simple. Yeah, absolutely. And I just think that, like, I feel like, he, like, Njoku will get the first opportunity when, like, game time comes and week one comes. That He might lose it, though. Yeah. I, I, I'm just, like, from what I'm hearing and what I'm seeing on Twitter and everything of the coverage is Harrison Bryant is just, it's just, like, he's doing everything um, he's being asked of and more. And, honestly, Njoku, from what I'm seeing, is doing far less than what people are asking of him. And I'm not surprised because um, it's like uh, David Njoku drops pass. I'm like, oh, nothing new there. Um, but, yeah, we'll, we'll see. I mean, I'm sure things will shape up um, for the offense, and I think we will start getting a lot more, you know, I mean, the next time we do a podcast will be a Sunday away from kickoff. And so um, hopefully around that time there won't be – we won't be talking. So, you know, I don't want to say that we're being negative, but we also have to be um, critical of our own team because we can't – you know, after last – Yeah, after last year, I don't really feel like, you know, making um, something out of complete nothingness, which was – what our team was last year and so um to be critical and kind of you know properly um analyze what is going on through training camp and some of the storylines is completely fair but i think moving forward that the week before um kickoff we will be in a lot better state and i think the browns will have a lot of good things going for them at that point so 
But uh, if you got nothing else, I'm I'm ready for the Indians. I'm ready to talk some ball. Yes, sir. Let's get into it. Yeah. So, uh, let's start with just the you know the current standings for you know um, where we're at. So in the division for the AL Central, the Twins are 19 and 10. We're at second place at 17 and 11, and the White Sox are at 17 and 12. Um, currently in the American League, we are the fifth seed, so we would be making the playoffs as of right now. But the Indians, I'm not going to lie, um, they're kind of frustrating. Um, Very. You know, they had a four-game winning streak, but I honestly, I sat down and watched, like, an entirety of baseball with, like, excitement before the first pitch ever happened two nights ago because of... Um, Tristan McKenzie getting called up from the minors um, to play ball. And I was watching that game, and we got all the way to the sixth inning, I believe. And it was 1-0, and McKenzie had pitched 10 Ks. Mm -hmm. And I was like, like, if this kid comes up to the minors or comes up from the minors and pitches his first debut game and gets 10 Ks and loses, I'm going to be actually upset at a baseball game. That I haven't, like, I have not been upset or any type of, like, word of um, emotional for baseball since 2016. And, like, for him to get that win, and obviously we'll get into it more, um, was amazing. But just, it was so frustrating to watch that, like, almost the entirety of that game and them only start to get hits, like, at the sixth inning. Yeah. I know. I totally agree with you. I mean, that was the most fun I've had watching the Indians in a regular season game, and and yeah, probably you know probably when they were on their twenty two game winning streak in twenty seventeen. But I mean, just great for that for the kid. I mean, he looks like a stud, man. He's he's crazy long. He's crazy lanky. He he looks like he knows what he's doing out there. I mean, at the end of the day, what's up, dude? He's super skinny. He's six foot Isn't five. He? Isn't he's he? Si- Dude, my my me and my dad. He's were still got time to grow, I think. But like, I was asking my dad about that. I was like, "Hey, like, do you do you, like do you think they'll put like any like do you think they'll try to like make it a point of emphasis to like put some meat on this dude? They definitely like, will. Because they were like, because well, but my dad's like, no, because like he's been in the he's been within the organization for five years already. Like, wouldn't they have already done it by then? He I might no he might have gained a lot of weight though. I don't know what we drafted him at, but he might have gained like thirty pounds since we drafted him or something. I don't plus, really know. Plus, he's been injured and stuff that I've read and all that. But um, what's it called? I mean, dude, his pants. When you looked at his, when I looked at his pants, dude, it, I said the same thing. They were like sagging so, or like not like sagging, but like there was like so much room in them. I'm like, oh my god, like I was like, those had to be custom triple <laughs> XL long pants right. or something. I was like, I I don't think I've ever seen like so much room in a pair of pants. Than that, what that dude had, but like, it's so that's like the big talking point is Tristan McKenzie's debut. Um, I think I should note that I I make it sound like I'm super excited and I knew who this dude was. I legit sent Jeff a text or not a text, a DM on Twitter, <laughs> um, because I didn't really read the headline. I didn't really read the the um the tweet, <laughs> not the tweet, the the article that came with the tweet, because right, the tweet right. was just like. Uh, Tristan McKenzie set to make his uh, his MLB debut, and so me, um, not knowing a whole lot about baseball and mm-hmm. how 
like how often players get called up from the minors. I thought this was the dude that we drafted at shortstop for this year from this year's yeah. draft. And I was like, is like Lindor getting like a day off or something to draft? And he's like, dude, this is a he's like a pitcher. And I was like, totally didn't totally didn't know that. Totally completely ignored that just did not know that at all. But like legit um it was Friday night and me and Jeff are at our buddy John's birthday party and we're talking about it and you know the more I'm I'm like you know talking about it with Jeff and I'm like man I'm kind of like getting excited to see a dude that I have like no knowledge about play a game like pitch a game and everything and I I don't know that it would have been the same if it was just like some outfielder or some shortstop or anything obviously because pitcher is such a you know it's the most important position in the game um but i was like for the first time super excited about an indians game and to see him play i'm already excited because i've and you know the report came out that he's gonna he's gonna get his second game and everything and i'm like well shit i hope five games go by kind of quickly because i really want to see this dude pitch again yeah, that's that's the beauty of baseball because, and I mean that's that's no fault of yours because if you don't really follow like when when people get drafted like you hear their name, but I mean we drafted him in twenty fifteen like Bieber Bieber Plezak and Savali were all twenty sixteen so they kind of like grew into the starting like the MLB starting pitcher role quicker than him so like for most fans. They like they don't know that like when somebody comes up like that, he's probably been in our organization and especially how the Indians operate. We've had him for five years, but he's never played. He's never played in the MLB, kind of like in the 2016 playoffs when we called up Ryan Merritt for one start, and you've never heard of him again, and you've never heard of him before that. That's just kind of how weird the sport is, but that's what makes it so cool is that you could get around and you could watch a game, and it could be interesting because, I mean, when Frankie came up, same thing. I mean, the ratings for the first game Frankie played at, at home and, you know, TV was probably through the roof, and, and same with this kid, man. It's just exciting, especially when we've had, like, the we've had, like, stellar starting pitching like since 2015 2014 even before that like it's hard to like it's hard to get your name known and it's hard to progress through the the organization and you know 98 percent of people that you know get drafted don't even make it to you know the major league so when some kid when a young kid comes up like that and is completely dominant that was crazy yeah and so just like talk to me a little bit about because like you said i honestly like legit do not know a lot about how like when someone gets drafted in the MLB, how like how long it takes for them to um, be brought up to the major leagues. But tell me what it means for like a player to be listed as a top prospect. Because um, like I'm looking at the Indians' tweets, and so um, you know the big one of the big like headlines from um, Tristan's game was that his best friend or one of his best friends from yep. the minors, uh, Nolan Jones, watched from um, one of the parking lots across the way. Um, but like the Indians tweeted, our top prospect, Nolan Jones is watching his buddy make his debut from the parking lot garage outside. What does that mean in terms of like, he's their top prospect? So I think, and I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that there's like a third party that there's like somebody of MLB, like that runs the minor leagues does comprehensive reporting for like all the minor league systems for every team so like they go single a double a triple a obviously there aren't 
there isn't that this year, but in a normal year. And then they would come back with like almost like an essay, like the Indians' top prospect is is this, is this guy. And, you know, that's how a lot of trades are done because a good majority of trades that a lot of people, you know, don't see that aren't for flashy players that are like already in the MLB are for the prospects out of teams' farm leagues. So if we trade like – if we trade one of our good guys, we might not we, – we might get players that won't play for us for like three or four years. But that's the beauty of baseball because – the draft means the draft means a lot, but at the same time, you could work with what you have. But I'm assuming when they say top prospect, that the Indians have him graded as our best player who isn't on the major league roster. That's what I imagine. Yeah, and because like listening to some of the um, announcers during the game, they're like, "Oh, like, well, hope, uh, we'll, I think like we saw him, or they're hoping to see him on uh, that 40 man roster for training camp next year." Uh, or for spring training next Probably. year and all that, um, but you you know you were talking about like Bieber and uh, Savali and all those guys you know being um, coming in before um, Tristan. Tristan's twenty three years old, dude. Yep. He is so young. Drafted and, him out of high school, right? And you know um, Bieber is twenty five. Mm-hmm. I mean that's just like amazing to me to think like this dude's two years older than me, and just went out and just like absolutely and that's how i feel about like you know the majority of sports like now i'm gonna be 21 and there'll be kids that are 20 that are getting drafted and stuff to go play uh major or you know nba and nfl and all that but like it just it still like awes me to see some of this stuff and um tristan i mean i don't know what i don't know how i got so invested in him but like a number 26 jersey might be might be on its way to my house soon dude a thousand percent i literally was thinking the same thing if he makes you know if he somehow slots his way into our rotation the rest of the year i i don't care i'm i'm getting it i told i literally told my parents we were watching the game and i was like he might be my new favorite player right out out of everybody right he's so likable dude the post-game interview like oh he's so well-spoken and he's well-spoken and you just know like he's been through the grind like he's been through the ringer because just imagine like he drafted in 2015 and he sees Plezak, Bieber, and Savali all get called up before him who were drafted a year after like just thinking about that had to be like so like hard on him from a mental standpoint and he just kept grinding and you know that's just kind of how baseball is like Clevenger and Plezak mess up and you know he comes up, and he you get one you get one shot to prove yourself. Cause I guarantee you, if uh, he only lasted two or three innings and gave up five or six runs, you know, I mean the his his projections would still be the same, but we wouldn't be it wouldn't be a storyline. Right, and you know, I mean, with that being said, um, with everything you just said, this like the storylines now are kind of just like everywhere for the Indians. I mean, talk about Clev and Playsec. I mean. Those two dudes are probably down in Triple um, A, worried about am I like, are we gonna get traded or like what's gonna happen to us? Cause this kid just came up and lit the world on fire for the Indians. Right, I don't know, man. I think I don't know. It's crazy because I think he's probably the some of like this the radio talk I heard today, uh, like the broadcast today, kind of sounds like. Plezak and Clevenger have kind of straightened up and they're flying straight. Like they got their act together and like they've done their time at the, uh, at the alternate uh, facility. So, I mean, I'm at, at the end of the day, I'm not surprised if, you know, Tristan makes one more start and then 
is done for the rest of the year. But I hope he pitches on our staff for, for the rest of the season. You might as well. It's 60 games, you know, condensed Corona season. Why don't give him a shot? Yeah, and so going going on with that, and I haven't heard, you know, too much radio talk because I haven't been driving or anything and listening to the radio. But so let me ask you, um, we were talking about how frustrating the Indians have been batting-wise right now. I mean, just kind of pitiful. We lost um, we lost that game on Friday night. We well, we scored five, um, five in one inning or five in, like, two innings. Yep. Didn't score for the rest of the night. Got – beat 10 to 5 when we were winning 5-0. Um we go on, we play um Tristan's game. Uh we only have one or it's 1-0 until the 6th and then luckily Domingo Santana um drills a triple uh or yeah, drills a triple I believe. Um and we win that game like what did we win that game by? Um I don't know. Five to five to one, five to. Let's see, I can't find it. But um, six, six one, I think. Ten five, six, six one, one, and yep. then we lost today. Detroit took the series from us, which is so embarrassing, but it happens. And yeah, essentially now we're we have the same wins and all that, but and now we got to play the Twins. Um. Yeah, I mean, I was looking at, you know, batting averages and everything, and I don't know how how invested I should get into that and everything, but um, our bottom half of our batting order is just so awful. It's it's very bad, and correct me if I'm wrong on that, Jeff. No, we just have so many. You're 100% right. We just have a lot of free outs, and, you know, some people are in slumps. So if – if, like, the top of our lineup has been overall, like, decent. Cesar is probably our best hitter at this point, um, you know, as a leadoff guy. But we basically, to win a game, we need a good starting, good to great starting pitching performance, which we get a lot of. And we need Cesar, Jose, Frankie, Carlos, and Fran Mill to all have, like, multiple hits. And then we got a chance to win. But we just can't get clutch hits, and we don't have a lot of RBIs. Yeah, but, like, I don't know. I was so – the reason I'm asking or talking, making this a point and everything is I wanted to ask you, um, the trade deadline is something that popped up onto my feed on Bleacher Report. Yep. It, have you heard anything, or is there anyone that you know – it's so hard to be like, is there someone you would want to trade for that you would put at, like, the bottom of that um, batting order – to, you know, bolster and kind of get us a more consistent um, on-base um, kind of guy. I mean, with everything that's going on with Clev and Playsack, is, you know, could we make a trade there? Is there is there anything that we can do about that with the trade deadline that doesn't involve us trading Frankie away? That's a tricky question. Um, I guess Frankie's in the mix just because him being on the team next year is a, is a just coin toss, but we're kind of just handcuffed because we can't, we really, our infield's going to stay our infield. They just got a hit, and our pitching staff is so young that uh, what a lot of people are saying, you know, in the media is that we're going to, if we trade some of our young pitching, we're going to want young infielders back that we could, like, have control of for, like, multiple years. Um, my personal, if for instant impact right now, 
but I'm not really sure what Boston would want for J.D. Martinez, but I would try to go out and get J.D. Martinez from Boston. Um, they're probably going to want Clevenger and Plezak, though, and he's like, J.D. Martinez is like 31, but he's an outfielder, and he's got good power, and he's got he's he's a good bat. Um, that might be a hot take for some listeners out there, but I would rather have instant impact with this lineup because I think we have the pitching to – I, we ha- we have the pitching to win the World Series this year. Plain and simple, at this point in the season, we don't we have the we have the hitting to get swept in the first round. Though. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I you know I was just going through it. Um, if I throw you some names, um, just like let me know what you think. Um, the one that I saw is Michael Givens from the Orioles. He's a um, he's a pitcher really... though. Yeah, we're not going to need pitching. He's a reliever. I was just thinking because of how bad our, you know, our, um, how bad we've done relieving wise, um, on most hands wise. But, um, so the one trade that actually like involves the Indians is Cleveland acquires Mike. I don't even know how to say this dude's yet. Yes, Stromsky. Yep. Yeah. He's. Yeah, thank God you could say it because I don't know <laughs> how to say it. Um. What? What? What's up with this guy? Um, I don't know. I, he seems like a streaky hitter to me. Um, he might be having a good year this year. I'm not really familiar with his slash line, but I, I wouldn't be. I would rather keep our pitchers unless we're. How this might sound goofy, but I would I would rather trade Plezak and Clevenger to get somebody who's really good. I don't want to trade one of them and get someone who's like a little bit above average. average. Yeah. Yeah. See, I I agree with you though. I don't. I don't think we're gonna trade both of them. It would be yeah, me neither. It would be pretty incredible to see that kind of thing go down. But um, you know the the plain dealer. I mean, my dad was reading it this morning. Had the headline of like, will the team choose chemistry or talent? And it was like, out of the seven or the last eight games that they've played without Playsec and Clev, uh, they won seven of one. Obviously, uh, I think. Or, I don't know, it was like, it was something where, like, um, since they've been gone, we've had, like, a better winning record or whatever. Um, yeah. They're trying to make the point that um, since those two have left the, how, um, you know, the um, team, the team has just been on a better role and everything. But, I don't know, I don't, I don't know enough baseball to be like, yeah, I think, um, the team is doing better without them. I just think that, you know, watching McKenzie um, come up and pitch and have such a excellent debut, um, obviously we'll see how he does in his second game and everything, but, you know, um, there's room for the opportunity to trade, up, trade those two or one of them. Um, I would just very much like to have more consistency um, getting on base and, you know, yep batting and everything so but I don't know I just the Indians are a sometimes they I feel like they bring people a lot of joy and then it's very frustrating to just watch them at times I don't know yeah man they're I don't blame people if people think they're boring because I like watching baseball as much as the next guy but a good Good pitching outings with no offense is probably the biggest recipe for boring in the sport of baseball. I mean, 
and even today, like Detroit's beating us seven to one. I'm just I'm turning the radio right off. Like not even any hate to you know the sport or any hate to the Indians. It's just like we should be beating this team, and the pitching's not going to be stellar every time out. But right. it's not even like we could even the the final score was seven to four, but we scored three runs in the. We we need one game where we're losing by like five or six runs and come all the way back and win. And I'm going to be convinced, like, maybe we're breaking out of the slump because we have, like, a couple good hitting games in a row, and then we just drop a complete egg, and then maybe we drop two eggs in a row, and it's just, like, one step forward, two steps back kind of situation. Yeah. Uh, Maybe it's just misleading um, for me in the sense of, like, you know, we – what's it called? I'm looking at the schedule. So we came – I think the last time we – we did our podcast it was we played the cubs i believe um or no sorry it was we were we were in the series against the white Sox the first time and we had won two out of those three games and then we lost two games to the cubs and then we that's when we began to go on that win streak where we go 10 we score 10 points score three points eight points uh doubleheader i believe it's just up and down it's just always up and down with the offense yeah and i don't know if that's you know consistent of all baseball teams but i don't know it's hard for me as a person who likes watching um football and basketball more to watch those kind of games where it's streaky but honestly like i don't know maybe i need to get more into just watching the pitching because honestly i was on like I was on the edge of my seat every like pitch for McKenzie, and maybe if I start paying attention more, I'll be that way with um, Bieber and Carrasco and um, everyone else. But yeah, I think you know moving forward, you know we got to go against the Twins for the next three games, and then uh, I believe it's the Cardinals who, uh, God, if we if we should be able to sweep them, right? I mean, hopefully the Twins are going to be tough, but. Yeah, that's going to be a, a rough stint for a minute. But then uh, – and then we got the Royals. I mean, if we can – you can't, you can't split a three-game series. But if we can at least win one and, you know, keep the other two close with the Twins, right. I'd be happy. And then, you know, go into uh, the games against the Cardinals and the Royals and, um, you know – win at least um five of those games i'd be happy but who knows we're you know we're not halfway through the season but you know we're getting well we're pretty close actually we're only two games away honestly actually from being halfway yep it's flying that's actually that's pretty actually like nuts now that i'm realizing that that we're mm-hmm. already halfway through the baseball season. Um, I mean, we're above 500. That's good. Um, yeah, I just hopefully, hopefully moving forward, we'll figure it out. You know, we talked about it in that first podcast about you know the slumps and the picking it up, and you know, baseball is kind of a you know you can go on a hot streak or you can go on a cold streak. Um, as of right now, I would describe the Indians. Um, as streaky in terms of batting and all that. Yeah, very much so. And that's kind of just the biggest drawback of the 60-game season. I mean, 
they could really never get out of this funk. So, I mean, hopefully that's not the case, but I wouldn't never be – nobody. nothing surprises me anymore with this offense. It surprises me when we score 10 runs. That's about it. Yeah, so – but I think that's where we're going to call it. Um, we're a little bit over an hour, and so that was a lot of good stuff. We got a pretty good roundup of what's going on with you know everyone with the Cavs, with the Browns, with the Indians. And so um, two weeks' time from now, um, probably won't be any real Cavs news. I think you know they'll start right. doing evaluations and everything, but there won't be anything until I believe the draft is in October. So we won't see anything in terms of Cavs news for probably at least a month. Um, the Indians will have a great deal. The Browns will probably have um, more training camp news. So maybe next episode will be the one where we finally do our rankings for the NFL. And maybe that will just be you know kind of perfect timing, in all honesty, with the season being a Sunday away at that point. So, But, uh, Jeff, you got anything to add before we, uh, we close this one off? Yeah, I think we could we time that, you know, pretty good, hopefully with the rankings. But, I mean, who knows what's going to happen in the next two weeks. I mean, that's kind of how my my frame of mind has been, you know, trying to keep up with sports, just just take it two weeks at a time. And it kind of seems like the two weeks before that kind of just my brain just throws it right out, right out the window, I guess, sometimes. But, you know, I mean, the Browns are just hope that, you know, the NFL goes smoothly and, you know, maybe we can even get into some NBA bubble talk, I guess, if, you know, if we're looking for content because there's a lot on that side. But the Indians will be, I mean, almost playoff time in two weeks. It's pretty close. Yeah, and I guess we should – I should have mentioned, um, poor job by me, about the Browns, is that there was like a scare this this morning with um, – right. um, there was apparently with five organizations a ton of false positives in terms of COVID testing – um, all those teams ended up uh, coming back with uh, negative results uh, after further investigation. So uh, it was just a scare, nothing really. But yeah, I, I, you know, Indian stuff, like you said, will be probably two weeks. My God, will probably be close to 40, 45 games in. Yep. That's a lot. Um, but yeah. We'll, we'll definitely we'll definitely have um, stuff to talk about and we'll do our rankings and all that but I, I do like the two week format it does allow for a lot of gathering of just news for you know the Cleveland the Cleveland people that listen to this and all that and we could absolutely talk the Bob uh, the bobble uh, the bubble <laughs> for the NBA but yeah besides that I think that's where we're gonna call it Jeff it was good seeing you Friday and hopefully uh, you know like I told you I'll try to make it down to La Roche for a uh, for a football game on a Sunday, and we get a pick and all that. So, yeah, it's always a pleasure when we link, you know, in person or in the digital hemisphere. And I was asking these guys uh, when I got back today. I said, would maybe one of you guys want to be like featured in maybe part of an episode or something? You know, maybe from absolutely a, from a Pittsburgh uh, point of view. I mean, I guess you know we have we as should far have as as you know analyzing we got to have both sides i guess right we should have them on like a week before uh like the I'm pittsburgh down. game or something they said Get they're some... very down yeah i if i was if i was down in uh columbus i have a buddy who is a pittsburgh steelers fan i was like man we we would get you on to one but yeah i would absolutely be down for you know having someone uh 
from your uh, house, talk talk some football or talk uh talk what they want to talk. You know, they would absolutely be able to give us the baseball side of things for sure too. I don't know if they're Pirates right. fans or not, but yep. just to get a little bit more insight and all that. But absolutely, you know, I always enjoy this, and it's always great to have you on here. Hopefully, um, you know, this is a side note. Um, hopefully, we can get you on uh, one of my new podcasts that I'm doing with. Um, our buddy Adam, that's a game, a video game podcast. Because uh, Friday night, you caught me off guard with uh, a Let's lot of go. good, a lot of good quality content. And so, um, yeah, but I, I really do enjoy doing these podcasts, and it's really, uh, it's really awesome just being able to talk shop each and every other week. So, but uh, thank you all for joining us, and thank you all for listening. Obviously, if you could continue to share. Uh, with your friends, over Twitter, however you want to go about it. And thank you all for listening, and we'll be back in two weeks from now. Peace.